You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Booking doctor's appointments through the podcast, that has to be a new one. Well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> has it ever been done? I, I don't know. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted and And it's over. Ready, set, hunt. And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Cura and Brazilian Tide. Ties back in camp somewhere in... BC, where they have Coca Cola on tap. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know probably not the best idea considering what uh, happened to me yesterday. But uh, here we are. Are we going to get into this? We finally know what's wrong with you. Yeah, I have a gallstone, and it's it's great. <laughs> Do they come in just ones? I honestly don't know. Uh, we don't know. But the X ray picked up one, so you got about it, a. It it picked up an anomaly. Oh, so because the X-ray tech wasn't, or like the tech that reads it wasn't actually there. Oh, okay. So the doctor's like, "Well, that's not normal." I'm like, well, "It was probably a ghost." I'm just like, "Yeah, ninety-nine point nine percent." So they gave me they gave me mucus fan or whatever and sent me on my way. That's so, what it mom, always is. Here's some so muscle mo- relaxants. Go home. Oh. <laughs> so, mom, if you're listening, find me a doctor at home. <laughs> She is listening. Uh, booking doctor's appointments through the podcast—that has to be a new one. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> has it ever been done? I, I don't know. <laughs> Breaking Only one new way ground. to find out. Only one way to find out. <laughs> Three hundred and twenty-five episodes into two and out, and we're still breaking new ground. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page, or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, here we are, Ty. At uh, this point of the season, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in the CFL over the past week. Sadly, a lot of it has to do what is not going on on the field. <laughs> the Kahari Jones thing. And we had something go on on the field this week that is not so positive as well. I know it's not chronological order, but we might as well just start with it there. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. 28-13. If you're listening to this show, you probably already know what happened in the fourth quarter of that game. A low hit by defensive lineman Garrett Marino of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Jeremiah Mazzoli of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Not that far removed from an ACL surgery, we should note. Uh, I got a message here from Darren on 2 and I figured it would be a 
good way to just get going here. And it's he's very reasonable. He says, just a couple questions, comments for you guys in the light of the hit on Mazzoli by Marino. And the fact that Mazzoli will miss up to three months, it's been reported that it's not an ACL injury. Uh, Farhan Lauji of TSN reporting that it's a bone issue. Uh, so if it's not a ligament issue, there is a chance that he'll be back on the field by the playoffs, but still not. Ottawa's got to get to the playoffs. Yeah, not yeah. not an ideal situation anyway. But Darren says, what do you think the league and the organization should do as far as punishment for Marino? I personally feel the league needs to send a clear message and suspend Marino for a substantial amount of games up to and including the rest of the season. The CFL is looked at at some as a joke league. Not taking this seriously would not help that narrative. And I would think that the writers organization should look seriously into releasing him. All right. So the hit. Honestly, Ty. I thought that the actions after the hit were almost worse than the hit itself. Of course, the hit was dirty. It's not within uh, the rule book. Diving from that far away. Under it's 100%. He gets a little bit of help. Like let's, The tackle does give him a little bit of a push. Yeah. But it's, one, he wasn't, it's not like he was diving for his waist or yeah. trying to yeah. get him there. He was going low intentionally. And yeah. this isn't the first time he's done it, and it's not right. the first time he's done it against Jeremiah Mazzoli. Yeah. And uh, when you hear more and more about this thing, when you hear Napahar's comments, when you hear about what was happening the night before the game, okay. uh, and everything that led up to the game, it almost feels like, honestly, the Riders should have not had him in there anymore. Like, it's... <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you do there, but there was the incident. And I know earlier earlier in the game, there was a late hit by Dino Boyd on Pete Robinson. Robertson, uh, the leading sack getter in the CFL, now has a broken foot. He's going to be out for a while because of that late hit as well. And I don't think the camera caught everything that was going on in that game, but control was lost. And Marino had tried some dirty tactics before Mm -hmm. things came to a head with Jeremiah Mazzoli as well. And the fact that we're now losing a star player for 80% of the season, it's tragic. And it's tragic that we're not talking about a big Frankie Hickson touchdown or a big win by by the riders at home against the Red Blacks. We're talking about this clown show incident. It's it's sad. And I think there's there's more people to blame than just Marino. Uh, you know, the the officials kind of lost control of the game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it appears that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the, at this point to me the game is pretty much over. I, I Yeah. You you look at lineups and depth charts like it's kind of hard to be to dressing up guys. Where you can, I know. Yeah. Right. So the guys still have to play. Uh, I, I, he's classified as a repeat offender. This doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. It's not the first time I've had to talk about this. What Napahar had to say after the game about, <clears throat> sorry, after the game about what happened on Thursday night downtown. It's like, what, what's going through this guy's head? You know, if, if, if you want to play in this league and you want to play professional football, you can't be the new 
Willie of Montreal. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Uh, they want to get rid of that. Yeah, it, Carson Palmer in 2009 or 2010 probably ruined defense for the rest of time when he got hurt in that playoff game against the Steelers. And ever, but ever since then, these guys have grown up playing the game where they know they can't go below the knee. And yet he does it repeatedly. Why then, not deal with the 300-pound offensive lineman that you've got the problem with, you know? Right. Why, why, why don't you go? It, it's just taking the easy way out. It was just, it's, yeah. It's it a was, fight he can win. It's all been and said. He, and he gutless. thinks that he's helped. He's th- he is gutless. And he thinks he's helping his team because yeah. now, like, you know, there, there's nowhere they're coming back now with Caleb Evans. And then the stuff on the sideline, that's just unnecessary. Like if I'm Craig Dickinson, he's not even coming to the, he's not even coming to the stadium Monday morning. I've already, I've already called him and told him you're done. Like, why, why do you need that crap? And, and, some of the and I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter feel the same way. Like it's not, I'm not just grandstanding. Like it's disgusting. The the taunting and the uh, I can't. From what I've heard, the the camera only picked up so much too. Mm-hmm. That being in the stadium and his the way he acted on the sidelines when Mazzoli was down Still on the down. field. Yeah. Wow. I I, I can't remember seeing a player get ejected and almost celebrate the fact. Yeah. It's he thinks, it was, he thinks that he did nothing wrong. Like we've seen it in. He's a sociopath. In hockey, a few, you know, <laughs> this is days gone by and as well when there's mm-hmm. a fight and the guys are celebrating, getting booted or whatever, but good, good night, Jim kite. Like, yeah, but as far as football goes, like a cheap shot on the quarterback. And I'm sure his teammates weren't happy about it either. Yeah. Cause they, <laughs> they got to deal with, and let's face it, they're probably defending a guy that they maybe didn't even see the play as it yeah. happened, you know? So you're mm-hmm. just defending a teammate. That's just kind of how, kind of how things go. As far as punishment, I don't think we're going to see a 10 or no. 12 games. That's never happened. And everybody will say I'm whatabouting or whatever, but I, I just don't think that we're going to have a 10-game suspension off of this. There's been worse plays. There there has been. and But, but at the same time, the CFLPA, and I know they always got to represent their members and they always try to appeal. Like we saw with the Chris Ed's, Edwards thing, like yeah. the guy's fighting fans – and the suspension got cut in half. Yeah. I really think that the PA, whatever they lay down here, whether it's four or two games or whatever it is, I don't think the PA can really look themselves in the mirror and go and appeal this thing, you know? Well, if he wants to appeal, they have to. Yeah. But, so yeah, you go in and you defend Garrett Marino. Last time I checked, Jeremiah was always part of the union too. Exactly. Like you're, you're you can't put that out of the mouth. conversation, right? Like it's it, at some point, it's like it's going to be two or three games. This can't just be a fine. If it's no. just a fine, then I mean, the, the, the league office has lost all all faith, or, or you know, the fan fan bases of every team have lost all the faith in 
in the command center or the league office. It's going to be two or three. He'll try to appeal and get it to one. I don't think it'll work because he is classified as a repeat offender. Uh, I just, I I don't know. I guess even like my boss, like talking to him yesterday, he's a diehard Ryder fan. He's like, that's, that's complete what he did. The hit's bad. The way he acted after was bad. What he did on Thursday night at the keg was stupid. Like he's digging yeah. his own grave, but then he knows that he's going to have the support of the players union to help to try to back him up and, and get him out of this. And you made your own bed laying it. And I get that there's a union, but at some point it's like, you can't be helped. Was it two games ago? He was booted for two misconduct penalties in a game. I think so. So it's, this season, he's, I'll admit, and maybe people will take this 30-second snippet and call Joe me an idiot. You. <laughs> but I, I enjoy players that play on the edge. 100%. Uh, but this is, it's it's a clown show. There's a show. difference. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah. You know, you got guys like that. Uh, and people are going to say, like, they're drawing comparisons to Simone. Someone who plays on the edge, someone who doesn't play dirty. I don't. I don't think he's a dirty player. Has, has he had some questionable hits? Absolutely. That the hit on Kolaros, I think that was circumstance. Like Kolaros slid late. It is what it is. It happens. But when you play on the edge, stuff like that is bound to happen. Yeah. Reno's not playing on the edge. Yeah. He's playing like. Mm-hmm. That's that's all. That's what it is. Diving and, at a quarterback shins from five and, yards away, like for that no reason, even... the ball. The yeah. ball's gone. Doesn't ball's make gone. any sense. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to do stuff like that. Players around the league are going to lose respect for you. If they, that, let's be real. The only reason that players around the league know who he is is because of how he plays now. Yeah. And then now, now that that's, I, I don't think there's a lot of defenders or a lot of people that are going to defend him in the league now. And I think that's going to slowly trickle through that locker room and sketch and be like, what are we doing here? Craig Dickinson. Fool me, fool me once, right? This is like, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, at, at some point, it's got to end. He said there were no game balls handed out at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. He It'd didn't be, say anything to the team, and the, that said more than him yeah. addressing it, is what I read. And it's like, oh, boy. Like, you know, when you come home late, like an hour, and your mom and dad don't even say anything to you, you just go to your room. It's like, I might not wake up. I don't know if he's going to get cut by the team. I I don't know Something's, about that. He's definitely going to get punished by yeah. the league and the team. Something's going to come of this. Yeah, has to. Other than other than other than the written apology, the, the written statement he's going to read and post on Twitter that we know is a lie. At this moment in time, recording the show, um, they've said that they're not going to release or come to a decision on this thing until sometime Monday. Uh, from what I gather, it seems like the league's kind of investigating how the whole game went. And they um, should. Yeah. Everything that has... It, it's so... It seems so cheap to, and to say that everything that led up to that moment, because <laughs> what was that moment? Like, it, it, it... That's it. It's Everybody's yeah. said it. It's gutless. It's classless. And... <laughs> no. It's it's what makes me feel sick is oh, I'm a fan of Jeremiah Masoli too, and yep. what did like what did he do to bring that 
Uh, and some of the, I mean, the crossfire. allegations from Nate Bahar that he's using racial slurs under at the bottom of the pile. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think you can sit down a guy like that and suspend him for two games and expect him to be a different person. So no, he's not going to change. Yeah. Maybe it is best that the riders do. Just say, I will, I will say this. If Nate Bahar gets fined for his media veil after the game, and they do start, and they forgot who put it on Twitter. They're starting to go me. I'm donating to that. I think I think lots of fans would donate <laughs> to that and cover yeah. that fine uh, for Nate Bahar. It was uh, again, it's out of a tragic situation, but uh, to see that fire and that emotion, and to not hold back, and to be completely mm-hmm. honest in front of the microphone, that yeah. that was awesome. It was see. the op- It was the opposite of Shane Wright. On Blue Jay Central. <laughs> oh, I wasn't staring down the Montreal Canadiens table. Yes, you were. You said you were on like after the draft after round one. You said you were staring them down. And yeah. Walk it back the next day. Like get out of here. Maple Hart. Yeah. Like, everything he said. Yeah. Off the cuff, but I, I have no reason to not believe it. Yeah. Like if it was just a one-off about like the racial slurs and stuff, where Marino had never done anything untoward. Before, I know. I know. And I don't think Nate Bahar would go out of his way to try to bury a guy with that kind of stuff if it wasn't true. He made a lot of, I think he made a lot of new fans that night, uh, whether yeah. he wanted to or not. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he I think, I think a lot more people are going to be going to the keg on the nights before games. <laughs> At least the officials should be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, it's just like when we had RBC Cup and Lloyd, the Lions didn't have to watch warm-ups because Hockey Canada rules it's a zero tolerance for crossing the red right, line right. in warm-ups. Like, even if your skate touches it, that's a 10-minute misconduct. Wow. They nabbed a guy like every other <laughs> Right? So, yeah, maybe, maybe like a couple, couple officials, like one at each door so that nobody can get out. Yeah, yeah. Something does go wrong. And then, like, you know, just, just maybe one at, the, at each table with the yeah. teams that go. It's like, yeah, probably not a bad idea. Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about uh, this incident. We'll we'll have to see what the CFL decides and uh, what sort of punishment's going to be dished out. I I think it's going to be something. There's probably going to be something for uh, a few players in in that game. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> who was the official? Was it, it was. Proof? Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 That sucks because that's I mean, a bad look for a really good official. A few plays before it, Marino had a holding call for hanging on to a – was it yeah. a lineman's leg? Yeah. Um. So that's why I mentioned get control of your guys, get them off the field, Craig Dickinson. You yeah. know, the discipline has been a problem in the rider locker room and on the field anyway as far mm-hmm. as taking stupid penalties – and if or a guy's not in a cup, if a guy like that is on your team, it it probably snowballs to the rest of the team. A, so, a legit holding penalty, okay, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're gonna hold a guy's leg and basically trying to hurt him, he's trying to either you know sprain his knee or break his ankle or do something stupid. Like it's pretty obvious what he's trying to do there. It seems every time that. That happens. Like games get heated. I get it, but then it's on the coach to yeah, yeah, to, to remove. Like 
But it, does Craig see that? Yeah. Is the other thing, right? Like, is he going to watch yeah. every holding penalty? It's like, what? It's a holding call. Move on. Let's figure this out. If he doesn't see it, there's something he can do. But I mean, it's yeah. It, it, it falls. It falls on more than just Marino. Like, yeah, he's the one that did it. Should he have been in that game still? Probably not. Should there have been? I don't want to say a better official, but like better officiating and game management from that way. Like it, it, it was just a, a calamity, like just a bunch of errors and mismanagement and just led to this boiling over and it sucks because the East is so bad right now. The last the record they, shows is bad yeah, anyway. Yeah. The last thing they need is to lose a starting quarterback. Yep. In that division. Mazzoli uh, represented a lot for that franchise, and it's it's sad that they're here again with that many losses uh, piling up, and now you lose your starting quarterback. It almost feels wrong to talk about La Police being on the hot seat, but now who knows uh, what the situation – like when they showed – and it's been a while since I've seen a play like this ruin the end of a game. Yeah. Like there were what five or six minutes left in the game and mm-hmm. the, the announcers com- were out of it, the players were out of it, the fans were out yeah. of it. Yeah. And then the way Lapple walked up to Dickinson after the game, basically saying that was <laughs> Yep. Whoa. And 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 from what I heard, like Craig said, we're gonna deal with it and he apologized. Yeah. And all that stuff, but that though that can't be an empty gesture like he they yeah. have to do something he, even if the league does something like you know maybe they spend him for two games maybe craig's like no yeah, you're gonna sit for an extra two we're right. gonna pay you to stay at home and try to drive that message home and if it doesn't work well like i think i think i don't know how many chances this guy has left yeah and i i don't know if this is it's probably a stupid comparison but we saw it last year when kenny lawler had the dui incident with the bombers Mm -hmm. before the league ever had anything to say they sat him down and he was their leading receiver and they they sat him down so Mm -hmm. the riders need to do something like that and yeah if the riders go out ahead of it like tomorrow morning they announce that they're spending definitely that shouldn't make any difference on what the league does right Exactly. Exactly. If the league just says, "Oh, that's good enough," then what are we doing? Because then the writers are like, "Oh, okay, never mind." Mm-hmm. If they wanted to, or like that can't have any bearing with the league. Does. Maybe quickly just go over the rest of this game. The, the writers, <laughs> yeah. uh, they ran, they ran well against uh, against Ottawa. Jamal Morrow, I mean, seventy-eight yards rushing, sixty-seven receiving. Frankie Hickson, five for 92 and a touchdown. Duke Williams had 76 yards receiving. And uh, Schaefer Baker had 48 yards receiving and a touchdown. So A negative one-yard rush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the Ryder offense is uh, – I mean, they had a better game. Um, Cody Fajardo has a dynamite record at home. And he's yeah. playing with a banged up knee right now too, saying that. And I was telling this guy <laughs> getting beat like a redheaded stepchild on, on a week. The basis. amount of punishment that he takes, like, and he's the amount of punishment he takes, the amount of holding penalties Rogers gets. <laughs> he has been well. He was better this week anyway. He was better, yes. Yeah, they. Uh... <laughs> 
you think with the holding penalties, you you would prevent the hit. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like taking well, a pass interference. It's like taking a pass interference and letting the receiver still catch it. Like still catch it. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. As for Ottawa, I mean, it's just a complete reset here. Yeah. You know, they bring in Minnesota. It's a brand new offense to learn, you know, brand new guys and everything. And now they're just back. I'm assuming Caleb Evans. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been there. He's been around, he's started, he's played. So that, that transition might not be that big of a deal. Yeah. But I mean, you lose your number one guy for possibly three months. I mean, that, that's going to go through. And yeah, the guys are going to say the right things. And then, yeah, Caleb's our guy now. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. going to go out and play games, but it's deflating. Well, and they said that Mazzoli represented hope for the yep. franchise, you know? Franchise fans, man, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And here and we I, are. I, I don't know. I don't know if you put Lapple in the hot seat yet. I think, I think even if Mazzoli doesn't get hurt this year, I think he still makes it in the next year, but it, they would have to, he would have to turn it around in the first four weeks or he's Kahari Joe. And I, I have such a hard time with coaches. Sometimes I feel like quarterbacks and coaches, if they don't succeed right away, mm-hmm. then they get they get fired or they trade yeah. it or cut. But look what Winnipeg did with their front office. It wasn't long ago. Like if they don't win the Grey Cup in 2019, actually O'Shea's probably gone or damn near clo- or damn close. Like two starting the year zero and two gone. So the next season, right? The like, Zach Kalaros move late in that season, and then winning the Grey Cup. Now it, it seems strange. Like, how yeah. would they ever fire Mike O'Shea? They're five and zero again. You know, yeah. they're why? They're, why? Like, yeah. Why? Why was this even a discussion in twenty nineteen? Yeah, <laughs> Ottawa now sitting here zero and four, and uh, what a game back. Yeah, that's that's the wild thing. Toronto is one and two, uh, but Ottawa does have Hamilton on Saturday with their brand new punter, John Ryan. Yeah, uh, you can have him one point at a time, baby. <laughs> Take Andrew Shear with you. <laughs> well, well, I mean, talk Mike O'Shea, Zach Calaris. Let's let's talk about that game because you weren't on the show last week. But I said to Joe Pritchard, I said... Yeah, let's be honest. I'm not on the show because you don't want to wake up early. Yeah, that's true. And And I said to him, you think the MOP is going to let that young gun, you know, show him up? Nah. He's going to show up and he's going to have a game. And he had a game. He didn't throw for 300 yards. That's fine. He didn't have to throw for 300 yards. But... We'll say this: whenever the defense you, won them the game, whenever you give up a kick return to open a game, yeah, you're asked Saskatchewan to let go. Yeah, happened to Saskatchewan a couple weeks against Montreal. Now yeah. Montreal's had a coaching change since then, but yeah. <laughs> open the game with a kick return, and then all of a sudden it's fourteen nothing when uh, Winnipeg gets the ball. Mm-hmm. Then. You're playing from behind, and Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions, that's unfamiliar territory for them this year. Well, and we knew this was going to be a test. And I mean, it can't, I don't want to say it was handed to them, but if this could have went a lot worse had Winnipeg come in on a full week. 
Winnipeg came out on four days rest. They BC had one had, full practice. Yeah, right. Like BC had a ch- had a chance, and they showed up and were they were flat to start the game. In that second quarter, everything everything started to click a little more, and it looked like they might be able to tie this game up. And then the Bombers just pulled away. Um, everybody wants to talk about you know calling that offense vanilla. And, and all that crap. I've never had a bad bowl of vanilla ice cream, so I don't <laughs> see I don't see how that's an insult. <laughs> well, um, Willie but, Jefferson. But, but let's be let's be real. The offense, how many points did the offense score? Twenty one. Wow. Defense and special teams are what one like I mean, they don't have the defense that they do. They don't have that special teams return. The Lions outscored them twenty two twenty one. I'm not sure if we're giving the offense enough credit here. They had the ball for 39 minutes. For sure. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's stupid. Yeah. But Well, Ellingson had 98 yards. Dalton Schoen had 117 yards. Ellingson had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Schoen had two touchdowns. Some of the throws that Kolaris was making and – not only the throws themselves, but the way he'd get away from pressure yeah. and then make the play. Mm-hmm. That was MOP play. Well, yeah. and what Winnipeg does, when you turn the ball over, you're going to pay. They capitalize. They capitalize. They so many other points. teams. <laughs> Edmonton will, you know, defense force an interception, then two out, punt. two and out punt. Yeah. yeah. Winnipeg see, and Calgary, they seem to make you pay every single time. Mm-hmm. But... Nobody was talking about Nathan Rourke after the game. The throws that guy makes, well, and all, honestly, the plays that Rhymes was making on the ball too, and that yes. touched that sixty-six that, that yard touchdown to Rhymes. Two of them Wait. were gorgeous. Yeah, and that sixty-six yarder to Josh Pearson, mm-hmm. an absolute laser. Like, yeah. I'm telling my wife, like, I got to figure out a way to go to the Edmonton and uh, BC BC. game because it's on a Friday night and I've, like, used all my holidays. (laughs) But COVID. (laughs) COVID. (laughs) My boss has season tickets, too, so I can't run the risk. We'll we'll put a mustache on you. (laughs) Like, still... He was making the plays. It was just then he had he had a, two turnovers, mm-hmm. and then once I mean, of those young yeah. quarterback. Yeah, this defense is ridiculous. Bound to happen. Um, but I mean, still sixteen to twenty five for two hundred seventy eight yards, threw for three touchdowns, had those two picks. I if I'm BC, I'm not worried. No, no. This is all part of the process. It's all it's growing pain. Yeah, especially. And- Against Winnipeg and BC, or against Winnipeg and Calgary right now, Saskatchewan to a point. I mean, you're going to go, you're going to play those teams. You have to play those teams. You're in your division and you might struggle. And that's just, he's going to have to learn from the mistakes he made and beat them and, you know, play better next time. They, they don't have a safety net right now. I just hope that Jordan Maximic and the Lions offense continues to take mm-hmm. those chances because. Yeah. They are the most exciting team, I think, an offense to watch. They they take risks. Sometimes with risks comes turnovers, and uh, that's okay. Doug Flutie threw a lot of interceptions, and so did Ron Lancaster. So, who, who has the most interceptions in the NFL in NFL history? In NFL history, yeah, 
It's Brett Favre, right? It's Brett Favre. Yeah. Like, and he's considered one of the best. One of the best. So. so <laughs> uh, but like you said, like so they give up the, the opening touchdown. On the yeah. Off. I had Janarian Grant in my lineup. Not a big deal. So happy that the flag was thrown on the second one. Oh, <laughs> Pat Hill, I think from no, Kamloops. I'll, I'll, give up my, I'll give up my 10 points for the return so somebody doesn't win money. Every day and twice on Sunday. The million bucks. And it's not the first time it's happened. On the no, no. So, so they're down 14, nothing. <laughs> James Butler only able to run the ball eight times. They, they can't, they get, don't, they can't give Rourke a lot of help on the run game when you're playing from behind that. Yeah. yeah. So that didn't that, that just exacerbated the, the, the issue. Well, there was a moment in the game, like they just couldn't stop Grant. So they did a little pooch kick, Yeah, but it still gave them the ball at the 50. Yeah, put him in field goal range for half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So <Thanks. laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the smartest play either. But Winnipeg was able to run the ball here. Yeah. Uh, and, Greg McRae had yeah. three for twenty seven, including a twenty two yard run. Johnny Augustine had four point eight yards a carry. Brady Oliveira had five point six yards a carry, and that was obviously big for having the ball for almost forty minutes. Yeah. But when you keep the Lions offense off the field, that probably gives you a decent chance to, <laughs> to beat them. Well, I mean, the, the Lions scored a point a minute. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, well, so so did the Bombers, really. And yeah. Like if you can, you're limiting off, you're limiting their chances and, and you're, you're still putting points up. I mean, it's a good defense is a good offense, I guess, or a good offense is a good defense, whichever way you want to look at it. it you have the ball 40 minutes and you don't come away with a victory. Uh, something went horribly wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, once you look at that time possession after the third quarter, it's like, well, I mean, it's pretty much over. Lions have a bit of a wacky schedule here because they're on bye again. Yeah. So two buys. Having them, having them so close together kind of sucks, especially with one being was that week one. The, Toronto was week oh, Toronto one, week and one. BC so, was yeah, week, week two. two, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like it's nicer to have them a little spread out, maybe a little later in the year. So, like, if somebody gets hurt, you get that extra week later in the year for that stretch drive. But it is what it is. Yeah. So you thought Winnipeg and BC was going to be of it. So BC with that loss falls to fourth in the West. Yeah. <laughs> the the Western Division is madness right now. Yeah. And Darren did say in his email as well, he says, secondly, it's pretty obvious that the West will have a crossover team this year. Do you think that one of the big four in the West would consider playing their way into the East for an easier route to the Grey Cup? And I will say this again this year, like I have every year, no. There's you a reason. You do not want to lose games going into the playoffs. Well, and there is a very reason why there's never been a Western crossover team in it's the Grey Cup. Playing on the road sucks. Twice in a row in the East. Yep. yep. And, well, we just talked to Ricky Ricky Ray. The 500 Toronto Argonauts beat the crossover Edmonton team, go into Montreal, win, go to the Grey yep. Cup, win the Grey Cup. Get hot. They got hot. Well, and you, sometimes... You really wanna, well, if we lose our last two games, we can be the crossover team. How yeah. does that sound? Like, Not give good. Give me a break. That's, no team is ever going to play... To lose to get into the problem. But it is a it is a common thought that yeah. fans think go to the east and yeah. then and how's that how's that worked out? 
It hasn't. Right. Sometimes it seems like in the CFL it takes 18 games for a team to come together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know the, why, but it does. 27, the 2017 Toronto Argonauts. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. But it just it just happens that way. It does appear at this point in the season that there will be a crossover, though. You got to look at the teams too that are playing those meaningful games in October, where like almost kind of every game is a playoff game, and then they get the playoffs. Well, nothing's changed. They don't they don't have to prepare a different way. Like it's been one and done. They're used to this pressure for the last three weeks. Those are the teams that stay hot. Twenty nineteen Bombers. Yep. Well, we've seen you see, and you see the rust versus rest in the in the division yeah. finals every year too. Yeah, right. But yeah, you want to be playing your best football coming in. Like I, I don't think a team would ever decide, even in their locker room. I don't think a team would say, "Well, I don't want to go to Calgary for the Western semi. Like, let's go to let's go play in let's go play in Ottawa because it'd be an easier ride." And then you get out there and you, you get pummeled by twenty. Like I, I, I don't think anything. You know, no. No, there, there's no easy way to to make it. That I mean, that's the bottom line. And yeah. Winnipeg showed us here that yeah, they can win the downright ugly games. Remember when they were looked beatable? Was I know games? that was six days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they looked like yeah, back to back Grey Cup champions. Uh, yeah. Fire Andrew Harris. Yeah. They, figured, they, they got. They got McCray coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Here, we, here we go again. Yeah. Firing on all cylinders in all three phases. Colorado's back-to-back MOP. Like, you know, just. They're <laughs> in the wrong province, dude. <laughs> so we thought the Bombers and the Lions was going to be the heavyweight battle. Well, now here we go. The Bombers and the Stamps Friday night in Winnipeg. Yeah. That's going to be a game. I I think, like, both teams – they're just they're they're so consistent. Like BC is not used to this stuff to this kind of game yet. I think yeah, that's for I, fair. Right? Yeah, they haven't played a lot of these games in the last two years, and especially with having Nathan work now behind center. But you know, you come in Kalaros, Bo, both those old lines, both those defenses can make plays. These the game's not going to be too big for them. The pressure isn't going to be too much. I think she's going to be a heavy, like like you said. This is it's not going to be Tyson Douglas. This isn't going to be over in the first quarter. This isn't, you know, the mm-hmm. 30 second knockout. This is a 15 round. Like, knock him out, drag him out. This game's going to be one dirty. And not, not Garrett Marino dirty, but it's, it's not going to be a pretty game. I don't know. Nope. nope. And yeah, the Bomber offensive line looked the best they have all year. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I think BC is going to be okay. Uh, but clearly Winnipeg's okay too. And I can't wait yeah. for that game against Calgary because Calgary, they go into Edmonton and just when Edmonton thought that, Hey, well, and they put up a great fight against Calgary a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and then they go into Hamilton and win. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's Hamilton. <laughs> but you know, well, no, like, they're over this year. Well, and now we're back to the week one Elks, though. Yeah, nothing's changed. It was a dead cat bounce <laughs> having a great forward start. Well, and that's sad, too. Uh, because yeah. Trey Ford makes a highlight real play in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Makes a, evades the sack, massive completion, and then 
couple plays later, innocent tackle, his arms in a sling, and he's going to be out for a little while. And again, it's just the Stamps dominating, just like Winnipeg did to BC. They dominated in every single facet of the game. They had a return touchdown. They had the running game going. They had the the passing game going. I mean, wow. Malik Henry. You say they had the, the rushing, the running game going. Kadeem Carey only carried the ball 12 times. Wow. They had 104 yards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were forcing turnovers. They were, man. And Malik Henry now leads the CFL in receiving. Yep. 12 catches. Yep. This is just against Edmonton in two games. 12 catches, 323 yards, two touchdowns. Is that any good? Yeah, that's and he, good. I can't remember who that DB was, but if it was Aaron Grimes. I would definitely remember. I don't think but, he was playing. <laughs> no, but I've ne- there there have been some bad looks and some bad plays by DBs this year. That was so bad. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> you know, like, and they were. Chris I'm sure Chris Jones, Jones was ecstatic about that play. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what the mood was in Edmonton this Sunday for a fan day at Commonwealth Stadium. Oh. I'm sure Jones wanted everybody to run lines, but uh, oh, I, I'm like, oh, Dad just yelled at Mom. Now supper's <laughs> awkward. Like, that's what it would feel like. Let's contrast the big money guy in Edmonton, Kenny the King. Mm-hmm. What 300k? Getting yeah. paid more than the quarterback through two games against Calgary, five catches, twenty-eight yards. In this one, I think that's just two. against Calgary. Yeah, that's two games, and I think in this game, two for seven. But if the guy's making that kind of coin, you gotta perform and have <laughs> big games against the tough opponents. That's yeah. just the bottom line. Yeah, uh, and. It's cliche and we say it lost, but the guys on the other side of the ball get paid too. And you look at that Calgary secondary, they're yeah, they've lost guys, but I mean, they're it's still Calgary. They're plug and play. They are just a model of consistency. And they got guys that can play football and then shut guys at Kenny Lawler down. And when you have I don't want to disparage him, but when you have a guy like Nick Arbuckle who had doesn't have a lot of starting experience, and yeah, he was fine when he was backing up Bowen Calgary and got those couple starts, but what's the common denominator there? And you, you, that's what you said in our group chat. What's the common, what's the common theme? It's Calgary. They, 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 they're not going to put you in and set you up to fail. We saw that with Jake Mayer last year. You put in with a chance to succeed. Nick Arbuckle comes in <clears throat> to Edmonton and, start, and didn't start this game, but, I mean, he gets in. He was basically the quarterback. He was the quarterback of record, I would think. Maybe I think so. Trey didn't it's play that game. long. Yeah, um, who knows? Yeah, like, but I mean, he's not. He doesn't have that experience. That you know, that forty, fifty games or one hundred and fifty, like Bo, to, to make you know, the decision making just isn't where it needs to be, and and maybe the skill isn't either. Like he just hasn't had that opportunity yet. When you have a guy like Nick Arbuckle throwing you the ball who hasn't done it a lot. I mean, that's going to affect Kenny Lawler, too. Like he, he, he can't throw the ball as well. Toronto had to see something to let Arbuckle mm-hmm. go so quickly. Yeah. 
They chose McLeod Bethel Thompson. I don't think it was what they saw in McLeod Bethel Thompson. By the looks of the way this year's going. I I think we we all know that uh, Arbuckle needs to limit turnovers. Yeah. Um, And that that really just hasn't happened. It seems like every week his interceptions are over touchdowns. And it's that that can like he's not going to be long for the Elks, the league, let alone the Elks. Yeah. He had he went thirteen of twenty for ninety seven yards and two picks. It was uh, I, it is a team game. It was rough all around for the Elks mm-hmm. though. This is just a, yeah. It, it is another one of those games where you just got to try and flush it and move on. But I honestly do believe this, and I said this in our CFL group chat that this is just an eighteen game training camp. Mm-hmm. For Chris Jones, I don't think they're looking for. Res- they're not looking for wins. They're looking for results. Whether that's like when I say result, I mean on like player results. Like how is this? Like can this guy play in this system? Like we we stats are a nightmare when it comes to the Alps because I got to add new pages <laughs> every friggin' week. <laughs> the pain in my ass, but it's a labor of love. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I don't think Chris Jones is in the business of winning football games this year. Not right, not right now. He'll want to win, but he wants he wants to win. He would love to win and and build along the way. But I think he's putting the build ahead of wins right now, and he's got to find he's got to find the guys that can play. And you know, if that means going out and getting Vernon Adams, which I think that boat's kind of sailed. I I don't know if Vernon Adams like I don't I don't know how big of a trade chip that is for teams now because they've seen it, they've seen him start enough. Uh, you know, but and now now there's competition for a quarterback with him solely going down. Yeah, but you know he needs to find needs to find out if Trey Ford is is the guy going forward, and that's going to be harder now. So now you have now you have to play Arbuckle, or you have to play you got to move Loxley back quarterback. Taylor Cornelius already been named starter for Thursday. Like, I. It, we're going to see a quarter, bit of a quarterback here, so I think he's going to wait. Like he's going to be, what do I got? Who do I got? Who can do what? Figure that out. Same on the defense, defensive line, stuff like that. Like he's got to, he's got to find the guys, and that like, it's going to be a tough year. But I think that that's going to pay dividends down the road. He's not going to be on the hot seat. I think that's obvious. He's not getting fired if they go. I think he's got four year 16. contract. So. Yeah, he's not getting fired if they go two and sixteen. He's as long as he improves next year, and then you know. Come 2024, we could be looking at a 14 and 4, 15 and 3, 12 and 6, a vastly improved team because Chris Jones will have his fingerprints all over it. Yeah, it's not completely his team yet. Arbuckle no. wasn't his guy. No. And this talk has been about Arbuckle and Edmonton been going on since Jones got hired, basically. Yeah. And, and and then they, they re-signed him. But, like, why wouldn't you? Give, give him a shot. Let Chris Jones see what he's got. Maybe he could be. Right, like you have to leave every, you have to leave no stone unturned if you're the Elks right now because it's been such a crapshoot the last couple seasons. Now, just throwing this out there, Edmonton goes to Montreal. Machocha and Jones might have a chance to talk Does about. Vernon uh, Adams come back on the plane? He might, <laughs> but Arbuckle and Harris. That's such a, that's such a video game move. <laughs> it is. Oh, this guy hit three home runs off me yes, on the last game. I'm just going to trade for him. <laughs> So Arbuckle and Harris 
they might make more sense as a quarterback duo, mm. just like Ford and Adams might make more saying, sense. Are you saying a straight swap? Are you saying a Taylor Hall, Adam Larson swap here? <laughs> You're out of your damn mind. <laughs> hey, I... Hey, Saskatchewan's trade for Mary Alford, who's still on the injured list, so... Yeah. <laughs> Because they give, oh, it'll give Jamal Morrow a break with returns. When's he going to be in the lineup? <laughs> Jamal Morrow was returning kicks this week. <laughs> I don't think – I'm not ready to give up on uh, Vernon Adams Jr. quite yet. Uh, I, I'm not either, but, I mean, teams are – No, I know. Seen it. Like, I, I don't know how much how much but, he can get. But what did Harris do against Saskatchewan uh, last week? So, uh Anthony Calvillo struggled in the CFL for a long time mm-hmm. before becoming what he became. Yeah. Um, there is MOP talent in Vernon Adams Jr. He's got the ability to do it. I think he needs, and I, I don't know if Machocha is going to be the coach to bring that out of him. I thought Kahari was the guy. Um, last year was tough with uh, the confidence struggles, I think, and the pressure mm-hmm. and the injury. And then 2019, when... It was just go out and play. That's when he was at his best. Yeah. Can uh, can somebody bring that out of him again? I think so. And I think if you have uh, Kai Loxley, Trey Ford, and Vernon Adams Jr. in the same – that's a lot of athleticism yeah. for your quarterback group. Yeah. I mean, you, you find one guy, you need to hit one of three. You need to find one of those guys to be your starter, and, and you've got to be right. Yeah. I like this Kai Loxley, though. Hey, he's been a Swiss Army knife, so to speak. Maybe. Three carries, 26 yards. He had two catches for 61. Like, <laughs> the guy's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, and you know that at some point, I do believe he's probably going to start again this year. He probably will. He probably will. <laughs> Can you do the Mr. Perfect throw himself the football? <laughs> I want to see if he does that. He's got to toss the towel yeah. behind the back. Yeah, he's got to spit the gum, slap it fourteen yeah. yards. <laughs> but here we are in twenty twenty two. Be a better punt than Bedford. <laughs> I love Manny Arsenault, but he's the Elks' leading receiver when you Kenny, have when you're paying for Kenny Lawler and Darrell Walker, and you have Darrell Walker. Yeah, it's not not a great situation. I'm happy for Manny. That's great. But kind of got a three to month three-headed monster at that receiver position yeah, with those two yeah. guys. But if you're looking at that, Manny shouldn't be the guy leading the way. As for Calgary, I mean, Peyton Logan has nine yards of carry. He get five for 45. Kadeem Carey, 8.7 yards of carry, <laughs> 104 yards. Malik Henry is just, okay. Oh, my <laughs> so he's got 150 yards. What, 84 more yards than the next closest receiver, Kamar Jordan? Like, Yeah. <laughs> and they were happy to have Cody Grace punting the ball back there again, I tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, it, normally when you can, you know, push teams back and make them start deep in their own territory, usually you have really good success. When that team's Edmonton, even better right now. <laughs> With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to What's the Cheese Mies, a new podcast with an inside look at Pilipinic's identity in Edmonton. 
Chismis is the Tagalog word for gossip. Subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, or trying to figure out why you punched a car, and much, much more. Wow, it sounds like hey, two, a... two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> What's the cheese beast is produced by CJSR Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and on what's the cheese meast dot FM. That is T S I S M I S. All right, Ty, there are only three games on the slate this week. Who were the top fantasy performers other than the Calgary defense? Because I. <laughs> I lost to Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast this week. How and you had a big victory over Trey from the Canadian Football Countdown. Huge. I lost by five points, but that Stamps defense scored twenty six. Of course, it does include the return touchdown, so mm-hmm. that so didn't help. If the Calgary defense was a quarterback, they'd be number one. <laughs> uh, Kalaros led the way, twenty four point three. Rourke. 19.7, Bo at 19.2. Uh, when it comes to running backs, uh, the Calgary St. Peters would have been number one here as well. <laughs> the top, get this though, the top four, Morrow, Logan, Hickson, Carey. Two teams. Yeah, 23.1, 22.5, 16.4, 14.8. Walter Fletcher, uh, fifth with 10.3. When it hey, comes and to he's Lakers- going to start this week against Edmonton, who just gave up a pile yeah. of uh, yards to Calgary. Uh, wide receivers, Calgary's defense would have been fourth. <laughs> there must have been some big receiver numbers this week. Dalton Schoen, 31.7, led the way. $2,500. Yeah, Ryan's right behind him at 31.6. Malik Henry, 27.6. Ellingson, 22.8. Duke, uh, fifth with 17.6. The big salary guys aren't bringing in the big points. No. It, that's the thing, though. You pay for those big salaries. You have to find those twenty five hundred dollars guys. And those are the guys are like, those are the guys that can win weeks for you. The wrong, yeah. the wrong guy. Like you put in Martise Jackson for a week, you're not getting anything. Are you? Are you trying to? Crap oh yeah, on so me? That, that is not a ricochet. That is a direct shot. <laughs> I'm having a rough year, but the season I'd doesn't say. start till Labor Day. It doesn't start till Labor well, Day. Well, no. Our fantasy season's well underway. <laughs> well, there's week five. I don't know. Thanks if a we, lot, Garrett Marino. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if week six is gonna top this one, but uh, there's gonna be a lot of conversation uh, mm-hmm. going into this week. Thursday, we've got Edmonton, Montreal. Uh, Friday, Calgary, Winnipeg, and then Saturday, touchdown Atlantic. Riders, Argos, and then following that, Red Blacks, Ticats. Whoa. It's only week six? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, but, like, when I was so when, when I was at my cousin's there last weekend, my uncle was like, when is football start? I'm like, it's week four. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. We're, We're in it. We're in it. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out and your favorite podcatcher. I will be talking to you on Thursday with who? I don't know. You'll just have to see come Thursday. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.